Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's going down? Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down, wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Kenny and I'm joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, how are you today? Kenny, I'm alright, yeah, not bad. How's yourself? I'm good, I'm good. I'm looking forward to I've got a lot of wrestling to talk about. Uh, we'll probably not be talking about Raw in this podcast for time, but we'll cover that in Power Slam along with the, the, the John Moxley saga with OTT and AEW, which we'll get to. Uh, but I do just want to say, and I'm going to say this for Finn, because I, we don't want to give too much away. So obviously we did mention that something was going to be happening. Finn was going to be talking to somebody, uh, you know, for the magazine. It's going to be very exciting. So all I will say is it happened and it's going to be in the next issue, but it's not going to be what you think. But once it's kind of, once everything's ready to go, Finn it will maybe give you a bit of detail uh, or a tease as to what it is, but um, I can tell you that you're going to very much be interested in reading this, this uh, these pages of the next issue of the magazine. So uh, yeah, do look at uh, that. Yeah, it was, uh, well, it was an interview uh, which ended in disaster. So I think I can say that. Yeah. So we will, uh, whether it's next week or the week after, Finn will be the one to reveal who it was 
and you know give you a brief tease as to what to expect when it is it will in fact be printed in the magazine so uh very exciting um but yeah well let's let's dive into the wrestling fin obviously yes. um we do we uh we do have a uh, smackdown took place in it for elimination chamber on smackdown the question was answered could gunther get a great match at madcap moss no he could not <laughs> he tried but you know he's not a medical worker madcap moss just needs to slow down doesn't he he's like one of those green workers who just does everything too fast and thinks oh let's just run around and it'd be more exciting it's like well no it just means that you know everything's then a blur and we can't we don't have time to digest it and you need to emote and you know, communicate with the audience and connect with the audience and just do things to make us root for you instead of just running around. Reminds me a bit of Mojo Rawley in his early days. You know, when he used to, you know, I don't, what was it? I don't get hyped, I stay hyped. That was his line, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> and he just ran around. So you're right, yeah, it was okay. I mean... I mean, it was some worse matches. I mean, it was okay, but I mean, he's in there with Gunter for Pete's sake. It should be better than that. And uh, this was a big moment for Madcap Moss. And um, I mean, he didn't, embar- he didn't embarrass himself. But I mean, this was a huge, huge match for him. You know, biggest match of his career since the Corbin series ended, I would have said. And uh, I don't think he really distinguished himself in a way where you think, oh, I can't wait for... Madcap to have another shot at Gunter. I mean, was that an emotion? You know, you you left their match with Kenny. I don't think so. No, no. I I, I mean, it, but we we kind of knew that this was going to be the outcome because Madcap Moss has not really been put in many big match situations. So no. it's not like he really had the the skills to to kind of keep up. Uh, so to speak, with with Gunther, but uh, but the, I mean, and then the big story was the main event segment of um, of SmackDown, which obviously was uh, Sami Zayn returning to Montreal, and the crowd loved this guy. I mean, you could not have got a bigger reaction from from that from that crowd, and it was just a kind of pleasure to watch Sami Zayn get to enjoy that uh, to get to enjoy that crowd, kind of giving him all that love. Yeah, I mean, he was uh, he was soaking it up there. You could tell he was you know, going in for the close-ups, and there was I de- I'm sure I detected some tears there. He was deeply moved by the response from his uh, compatriots, um, and chance of you deserve it. Um, so Sammy said regarding elimination chamber, you know, this is a once in a lifetime event for him, and. Although WrestleMania was the biggest show of the year, for him, Elimination Chamber was the biggest night, the biggest card of his career. Uh, and in conclusion, he said, Roman, you are going down. Uh, Michael Cole commentary did say that it would be an upset if Zayn did manage to defeat Roman Reigns. I've got to say, WWE did a good job of managing its audience's expectations, Kenny. I always say that's a good thing. Manage your audience's expectations. That's not the way it used to be in wrestling. You used to promote everything as the greatest thing ever. <laughs> because, you know, in the pay-per-view era, you wanted as many people as possible to buy it. Doesn't seem as important now it's on Peacock and the WWE Network, does it? It doesn't feel like they really... 
go completely over the top on the hype anymore. They kind of don't need to. Yeah, I mean, the thing, I think no matter what you were going to do, the crowd in Montreal were going to be desperate for Sammy to win. But, um, but you know, I think they did. I mean, I don't know if you saw the BT Sport video that they did on Montreal, uh, which was a really nice video package, but it was Ariel Hawani narrating it, sort of saying, you know, yes, tonight, of course tonight, they did. Yeah they, sh- yeah, they showed it during the programme, didn't they? And, I mean, it's what a video. What a video that was. And, you know, it was, I, I mean, I think if you were hyped for the idea of Sammy winning before that, probably hyped you even more. But, you know, the thing is, in wrestling, you have to hype whether someone's going to win or not. You can't really, you know, if you, if you go half arse into it, then you're going to get a half arse result. So uh, I do want to ask you this is not to do with the pay per view, but I have to ask the question. And in two days, it might it'll be even older news than it is now. But during SmackDown, we did see Ariel Hawani on the show. And he uh, he got a tweet from Tony Khan saying that uh, he is a biased journalist. Um, so Tony Khan had a go at Ariel Hawani saying, you're a biased jur- journalist, you're just like t- no different to Tony Schiavone. And then Ariel Hawani responded a few hours later saying, uh, you know, thanks for watching, friend, and don't worry, Tony, don't listen to the snowman. I think you're great. I mean... I didn't expect that Tony Khan and Ariel Hawani would be having a, a mini Twitter feud the weekend of Elimination Chamber. But, I mean, do you echo the sentiments of a lot of people saying, Tony, put the phone down? <laughs> of course I do. I mean, it's just like, you're supposed to be a promoter. I mean, you know, you've got to... I mean, his reputation has been mud ever since the CM Punk incident, let's be honest. And, um, you know, instead of behaving like this you know, an, a slighted, you know, grieved fanboy, start acting like a promoter, rise above it, you know, complain to your inner circle of confidants so you can trust not to betray you. I don't know whether Tony has any of those people around him. You know, maybe just just scream and yell at the wall, you know, or the dog, you know, I don't know, a tree. Just Just get your anger out in some way that you're not going to embarrass yourself in front of the world. I mean, it's absurd, Kenny. I mean, it's just absurd how he reacts to things. The, pro- you know, the, pro- the problem he had in this scenario was, because, he, you know, so obviously this all stems from when Ariel Hawani did an interview with him, and Ariel said that, you know, it was one of the worst interviews he's ever done. Um, because Tony does make himself very available for media, yeah. but he doesn't... Kenny, 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 do you think it was worse than the interview I've just done? No, nowhere near. I don't think so. I think you win. I think you, but I do. I mean, look, as someone who has interviewed Tony Khan before, what I will say is it is frustrating that he doesn't talk about a lot of things, you know, and he puts himself out there all the time. I think if he didn't put himself out there all the time, that would be fine. But it's like, you know, if you're interviewing him, you kind of have to ask about CM Punk, right? If you're worth your salt, you have to you have to bring it up. And he's not going to tell you anything. So then it becomes this kind of, right, we can't talk about that. We can't talk about the MJF thing because that's tied up in the on So there's a lot of big things that he's never really talked about. But he's yeah. always... So, I mean, I get Ariel Hawani's stance. So, I also understand... Tony, so Tony won't talk about the MJF um, incident last summer where, you know, MJF did the the work promo then went at home for the summer on full pay he won't talk about that no well, i've not seen i've not seen him talk about it to anybody well why not i don't know I, I, presumably because i mean i, I don't know i mean is he kev fabulous or something is he, is, like, I guess he is. well because no he's that's one of the things he's not talked about and then 
you know, so I mean, I mean, the thing is, obviously, we Vince McMahon and a lot of wrestlers in the eighties, I'm sure, participated in extracurricular activities. Put it that way. But Tony Khan has now got this kind of reputation on social media, which Ariel Hawani wrestlers by calling him Snowman, which you know, if you put two and two together, you know what that means. And it's like it's not a great, it's not a great kind of thing to be thought of as the snowman you know in 2023 like and if you are doing that kind of stuff which look live and let live do what you want to do but maybe you shouldn't be doing it around so many people that it's become sort of public knowledge that that's what you get up to with people so but then when tony sent the tweet out on friday night it would have been fine had ariel hawaii not responded and basically you know owned them in the response that's the problem yeah, because because so it's like you're you're why are you watching SmackDown? And if you are watching SmackDown, don't tweet about it. I mean, you can put a hashtag AEW Rampage all you like, but who's who at the end of SmackDown after seeing Sami Zayn's big emotional comeback is going to turn the channel to see Kip Sabian <laughs> at ten o'clock on a Friday night? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I mean, not many people. No, if, yeah, if I'm still waiting jet for Friday, but I think there was probably quite a disparity between SmackDown and Rampage, as oh, there yeah. always is, but probably an even greater one last Friday. Yeah, but like, I mean, see if Tony Khan had, say he had like a big Rampage last week, I would understand him kind of trying to get some pub for that or whatever, but like, he didn't. He had like a, I mean, I know the, the Elite were on it, but it wasn't like it was a, a, a Rampage that everybody was talking about. So, yeah, it just kind of feels like, you know, if you're on social media and you decide to kind of go for somebody or come at somebody, you need to kind of be fairly sure they're not going to come back at you and basically, you know, because then also the whole Tony Schiavone thing kind of felt like the way that he worded it was that Tony Khan was having a dig at Tony Schiavone, even though that wasn't what it meant. But um, Yeah, exactly. It's like, I mean, why would you knock one of your own guys like that? I mean, it's... No, I think what I think what he was trying to say, what he was yeah. trying to say was Tony Schiavone is one of our announcers. Sure. So he's, so he's an AEW journalist and you're now a WWE journalist. But the way that he wrote it didn't come across like that is the problem. It came across yeah. like we digged Tony Schiavone, which is um, I mean, I think it I think it would have been better if he'd if he'd reference Michael Cole. Yeah. Rather than Tony Schiavone. Because Michael Cole actually Made a he commented, didn't he, on Ariel Hawani asking the tough questions, even if even if people don't want to answer them. So Michael yeah, Cole had a sly dig there at Tony, didn't he? Yeah, he said, "Here's a, here's unbiased journalists from Combat Sports, Ariel Hawani, who asks the tough questions, <laughs> whether you answer them or not." And like, take the shot at Michael Cole because he's a member of the other team. You know, don't I understand what he was saying as well. And in a sense, he wasn't knocking Tony Schiavone because obviously Tony's a member of the AEW team and he's going to, you know, sing and dance to the AEW tune. Of course he is. I mean, that's what he's there to do. Um, but I mean, he's part of Tony's crew. So, you know, choose someone from WWE if you want to make that reference. That would have worked better, I think. And Ariel Helwani, can, he can do what he wants. He can appear on whoever show he wants to appear on. Can it? Yeah. It's not contracted to AEW. I mean, so he almost felt like it was as if Tony was scorned, wasn't it? It's like, oh, he's betrayed me by appearing on WWE. It's like he can do what he wants. 
And I thought Ariel came across great. I thought he um I thought he did really well and on a kickoff, kickoff short elimination chamber. I mean, you know, the last minute sell he did for the event was amazing. I mean, I think that guy's an incredible talent. So, you know, I'm not I couldn't bring myself to knock that guy. I just couldn't. And um he can appear on whoever show he wants to. And if you're, if I'm, if I was running AEW, this is a company that needs all the publicity and all the friends it can get at the moment because, you know, ratings have gone down. I imagine the Dynamite's numbers will go back up this week a little bit. Um, but I mean, you want people on your team. You want people on side. You don't want to alienate alienate people, especially people who've got a huge audience and are influential. So, to me, it just seems counterproductive for Tony Khan to say and do these things. Um, but yeah, he, end, he he ended up becoming part of the news uh, through it. But um, anyway, uh, let's move on to Elimination Chamber itself, uh, Saturday Night Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Um, we opened the show with the Women's Elimination Chamber match, which was Asuka, Nikki Cross, Raquel Rodriguez, Liv Morgan, Natalia, and Carmella. Um, you know what? What a rib on the crowd, Finn, that the first music they hear is the strings of possibly Bret Hart and you get bloody Natalia walking out. <laughs> I mean, talk about a bait and switch. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we, we we have Natalia and Liv Morgan starting the match. In the end, Asuka gets to win. She's going to wrestle me face Bianca Belair. How did they do here in the opener uh, chamber match? Yeah, I, th- I thought I thought it was uh, I thought it was a decent match. I thought everyone, I thought it could have gone longer, but in hindsight, I'm glad it didn't. And I thought everyone sort of did everything they were supposed to do, but no more. And like that final sequence between Asuka and Carmella, I actually thought it was very respectable, um, and would have, you know, in a sense, liked to have seen them do more near falls, but it wouldn't have been believable because Carmella. I think she's improved loads, but she's not a credible in-ring act, whereas Asuka is, and she's the one who's going to challenge Bianca Belair at WrestleMania. So Asuka had to defeat Carmella quickly, which she did via submission. So I think the match, in a sense, could have been longer and it could have been better and it could have delivered more. But I think that would have been... I don't think that would have been sensible booking for where they're going and what this match set out to achieve, which was to make... Asuka looked really strong heading into a match with Bianca at WrestleMania. Um, but yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, the, the exchanges were all, I think, decent. Um, I thought there was some good spots in there. Um, I thought, you know, Nikki Cross had a really good night. I think she's reinvented herself as a deranged Nikki. And I think she's doing really well. I think there's a storyline coming up with her between Dexter Loomis and obviously Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano. And I think that would be good for her. Um, although some people are suggesting that maybe she'll be part of Eric Young's new crew. If Eric Young does come back, that could be quite interesting as well. Maybe Eric Young versus Dexter Loomis. I know. Anyway, we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, I thought Raquel did well. Um, you know, I thought I thought Liv Morgan's somebody who she's trying really hard right now, and she obviously had that huge innings in the Rumble, but she sort of feels like she's having trouble gaining any traction, Kenny. We love Liv Morgan. And they're really trying with her, and she's really trying as well. But I'm not quite sure how they can rehabilitate her. And I don't think they have done yet, even with these Herculean showings 
in these big matches. So, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was a good match in terms of booking, in terms of action, it could have delivered more. But as I said, there was a purpose to this match and I think it achieved that purpose, maybe not spectacularly, but but well enough that I think everyone should have left this match feeling satisfied. What do you think, Ken? Yeah, yeah, it was a decent opener. It didn't go too long. The right person won. Uh, and, you know, even Carmel, who's someone who, you know, isn't great in the ring, she had a good performance. And, uh, yeah, I think I thought it was decent. I think they've, they've got a ways to go with, with both Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez to get them hot as characters. So that should be a focus for them for the next few months. Um, but, yeah, overall, I, it, it was probably... it was. It was a better chamber than I thought it was going to be. So um, yeah, over over exceeded expectations. Um, we then had Bobby Lashley against Brock Lesnar in a sort of just just under five minute uh, horse fight. There was spears, F fives, and everything in between. And in the end, it came down to Lashley doing the heart lock to Lesnar, and Lesnar just booting Lashley in the balls to the DQ finish. But then we got Lesnar chaos as he destroyed Lashley. And Chad Patton, the ref, as well. So, I mean, the finish didn't seem to go over too well with the crowd, but the post-match angle certainly did. What did you think? Yeah, yeah, the post-match was the compensation, which the you know, which is what they always give us now. It's like, oh, DQ finish. We need some post-match compensation for the audience. And that means somebody's going to get beaten up and things are going to get smashed. And that's something Brock Lesnar does very well. You know, beating people up and wrecking things. Um. I mean, it was one of those big matches where from the start there, there was no, you know, headlocks and there was there was no like uh, dancing around. He's got straight down to it. Um, Lesnar grabbed Lashley and shoulder barged him and overhead belly to belly suplexed him. And already the atmosphere was up and people had that sort of sense of, yeah, they're not messing around here. They're getting straight to the big moves and the and the mega action. And he spilled to the floor and back in the ring, Lashley hit a spear for a two count and then a second spear and then motion for the hurt lock. And Lesnar counted it with an F5 for a long two count, two count there. Lots of noise, you know, really big atmosphere. Um, Lesnar could not break the hurt lock, though, when Lashley put it on again. Um, so he nailed him with a low kick right in front of the referee and the disqualification was called, as you said. So I did feel... Short change, really, by the finish. Um, also, you know, also I was, I was concerned as well about the promo from Bray Wyatt on SmackDown. Uh, the previous He's coming season. for one of them. He's coming for one of them, Ben. Yeah, in which he said, you know, Brock Lesnar or Bobby Lashley, whoever wins at Elimination Chamber, I advise them to run. And I was thinking, yeah, I bet they are thinking of running. Maybe <laughs> running in sick or, you know, maybe looking for an early release on the contract or I don't know. But <laughs> running away from that feud. Um, so on one hand, I was disappointed that it was a DQ finish uh, because I, in a sense, I wanted the feud to end here. But then when I when we talk about talked about this previously, I didn't know that. Bray Wyatt was going to make that declaration that he did on SmackDown that he would be the one to challenge either Lesnar or Lashley. So I'm not interested in that match. I'm just not interested in anything Wyatt does again. So I, I, I'm I don't really know what to say about this match. I'm sort of I'm sort of glad that the feud is continuing because I don't want to see Lesnar or Lashley versus Wyatt. 
So as far as I'm concerned, we can have matches for the rest of the year if it means we don't see Lesnar or Lashley versus Wyatt. Well, the problem we have is I mean, we're not covering Raw right now, but we should. We, I mean, we do need to mention it. It appears at the moment that the direction we may be going in is Bobby Lashley versus Bray Wyatt and Brock Lesnar versus Omas at WrestleMania, which, I mean, underwhelming is not the word as to those two encounters. Yeah. I mean... I, I can't see Lesnar versus Omas at WrestleMania. I just... If it is, it's just no, a waste. There's just no way they would have the... They would have the gumption, you know, to, uh, you know, they would have the gall, that's the word, they would have the gall to present that match at WrestleMania. No chance. Because Omas has already been defeated by Bobby Lashley, by Braun Strowman. So it's not like, you know, it's not like Brock Lesnar's the the guy who's finally going to take him down. Yeah. And then Lashley and Wyatt, I mean, how is Bobby Lashley going to sell for Bray Wyatt? I don't know. I never thought I'd say these words, but why can't we have Bray Wyatt versus Uncle Howdy? (laughs) Why can't we just have that? Well, I'll tell you what, Kenny. This is the best match of all for Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. (laughs) Bray Wyatt versus nobody. (laughs) Exactly. Bray Bray Wyatt wins. Just like, let's give him a a celebration ceremony for five minutes. People can applaud him for how over he is. Yeah. And he can leave. Yeah, he can have a little spot in the rocking chair. And while they're setting something up, he can sit in the rocking chair and say what he says. And then he can just leave. Bye bye. Bye. No, I mean, I'm hoping that, you know, this is some type of red herring and that uh, we're not going to be, uh, uh, not going to foist these matches upon us at WrestleMania. We're not going to have to endure. Omas versus Lesnar. That's not a WrestleMania match. And Lashley versus Wyatt. I mean, I mean, I thought Lashley's verbal performance, I mean, he's never that good on the mic, but his verbal performance on Raw was even worse than normal. And I think, you know, <laughs> that indicates to me that he has been told that it's Wyatt at WrestleMania. And no wonder there was no bass in his voice. He's probably just thinking, oh, no. Now at this point, I guess we want to just we want to double check. Are you still hanging on to the hope of Lesnar and Gunther, or have you given up the ghost? Well, I don't know about that yet. Um, I, I think that I think it could still happen, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not quite sure how we get from where we are to Lesnar versus Gunther. But I mean, we, it could still happen. I mean, they did have the confrontation in Royal Rumble, not Royal what, Rumble rather. In the Royal what do Rumble. you? What do you think would be a better... If you had to pick out of these two matches, which one is better? Brock Lesnar versus Bray Wyatt or Bobby Lashley versus Bray Wyatt? Uh, I think probably Lesnar versus Wyatt because then Lesnar would win and hopefully he would win in like three seconds. No, not three seconds, but... (laughs) Two and a half minutes. Two and a half minutes and it would just be over. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, this is what Bray Wyatt's done to me. This is what happens, WWE and Bray Wyatt. You know, when you you you, you raise expectations and then you crush them mm-hmm. into a million pieces. I mean, look at LA Knight. What's happened to him? He's gone. I mean, you know, he's probably right now thinking, oh, you know, I wonder if there's a spot in 
maximum models waiting for me. Maybe I can rehabilitate my career as the leader of that faction. Because, I mean, it's, it just appears to be over for him. You know, it's just it's like, this is worse than Cena. You know, well, probably not. But it's still pretty bad. <laughs> um, well, listen, let's move on. We did have the first uh, WrestleMania Hollywood video with Seth Rollins cosplaying as Wacky Phoenix's Joker and yeah. Becky Lynch with a spoof of Batman as the man. Uh, this was this was very fun to see. Yeah, I mean, he was on the steps, wasn't he? The, the famous scene yes. from the Joker movie, and uh, you know, I mean, I'm I'm sorry, Kenny, but you know, I watched that movie, and then there's, I'm going to say the song, and I'm going to say who sang it, um, but that that song in the background that was used in the film, mm-hmm. I was just flawed, <laughs> and and that's all I can think about. <laughs> when when we think of that scene, and I'm sorry, but I just don't want to think about it at all. <laughs> I think people know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I was like, wow, you've used that tune, you know, from that guy. No, you can't do that. And they did. So, but you're right. I mean, you know, very well produced, you know, videos, you know, just amazing photography. And it was the A1, you know, WWE, state-of-the-art, production values and everything so you know i just wish i just wish they hadn't used that song in that film and i would have been able to enjoy it more kenny um well we also we also found out later in the show that we had there's going to be rhea ripley in stranger things montez and bianca doing titanic uh the bloodline doing goodfellas oh fantastic uh to- uh the mesomerese doing top gun Fantastic. Yeah, I'm really yeah. looking forward to those. So it'll be good fun. Uh, we then got Edge and Beth Phoenix taking on Rhea Ripley and Finn Balor with Dominic Mysterio on the outside. And oh my God, did this crowd bite for Dominic Mysterio, Finn? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You know, there's people who work years to get the kind of heat that he's got. <laughs> it's just brilliant, isn't it? I mean, this character, it's just, it's so good. It is just so good. And people, it's like, almost feels like old school heat. It's not like, ha, 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 heat. It's like, we really detest you, heat. And uh, I'm not quite sure why. It's just like a different reaction to him, isn't it? To everyone else. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, he's just hilarious. 
And uh, he was involved at ringside, interfering in this match a lot. Uh, yeah, Edge and Beth Phoenix versus Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley. I mean, I was in two minds last week, I think, when we did the um, the preview. I was trying to work out who was going to win. And uh, I can't remember what I said in the end. I probably said everything. I think we were in agreement that Rhea Ripley would not do the job, and she didn't, nor should she have done. And it was Balor who was pinned after Edge and Phoenix uh, nailed him with Shatter Machine. I mean, a nod to FTR, Kenny. A nod to FTR. The the the, the doors are open if they want to come home, should is the, the terminology. The big, big rig, isn't it? Big rig, that's what it's called in uh, EW. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, I, Sondra did make a very good point, though, which I hadn't really considered, which was that, you know, Edge and Beth, on the surface, Edge and Beth winning doesn't really make a lot of sense because you kind of think, well, if, if the Judgment Day won, that would further the story with Edge and the Judgment Day or whatever. But at the same time, you know, if they're not going to get their hometown guy winning in the main event, you can give them, you know, Edge the Canadian winning in this match. So it, it, it felt like there was a, a purpose to Edge and Beth going over here to kind of give the crowd something of of people they like winning. Yeah, I agree. And also, you know, this would seem to be the end of Phoenix's involvement and her story. And she needed to exact vengeance for what happened at Extreme Rules. So she did need the win here. I think we talked about that last week. Yes, we so did. It did make sense. Uh, I like uh, Phoenix's um, tribute, um, homage to Bull Nakano with the uh, makeup. That was great. Yeah, that was really good. Um, I mean, I enjoyed the match. There was actually one part of it where he screwed up, didn't he? On there was the Beth was trying to Beth was supposed to come in and stop a account. That's um, right. Yeah. Well, Edge was getting Dominic tended. had thrown the brass knuckles in, hadn't he? Yes. And we had a brass knuckle shot. And they kind of lost the crowd there for, I don't know how long, minute, 90 seconds. And they had to really work hard to get them back into it, which which they did do because they had lots of big, th- big things lined up for the finishing sequence. Uh, but that was really odd that people of this, you know, professionalism and competence and people who are really so dependable would get that wrong. And uh, I'm sure they felt bad about it afterwards. I mean, Dominic was right there. The the throw of the nooks was spot on and everything. That was tip top, you know. Um, but yeah, they, they turned it around anyway and got the match back on track. And then I said, uh, Edge pinned uh, Bala after a shadow machine. Uh, afterwards, Bala was there in the aisle saying he would get Edge and he was really angry. I'm not finished with you. And anyway, we'll be talking about what happened next in their saga on Thursday, won't we, Kenny? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will. Yeah, so... We will we will get to that, but uh, yeah, Edge and Beth get the win here. Pretty good match. Um, so then it was time for the men's elimination chamber, where Austin Theory was defending against Montez Ford, Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, Johnny Gargano, and Seth Rollins. And uh, a lot of people had a lot of good things to say about this match and showcase for quite a few people as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, Rollins and Gargano doubled up on Theory, um, who was uh, second. Uh, it was. It began with Rollins and Gargano, which was a you know really a good featured spot for Johnny Gargano, who's never. I think he's done all right, but some people feel like he should have done more in WWE. I actually think he's doing okay there. Um, Theory was in next, and um, Rollins and Gargano uh, double teamed him, and then Theory tried to form an alliance with Gargano, and that didn't work. And then Priest came in next, and you know that equaled things up with uh, even things up with two heels. 
versus two faces. Um, I thought Bronson Reed had a great night here. I mean, they really did look after him, didn't they, on the on his elimination? And um, you know, and also Montez Ford. I mean, we talked after Royal Rumble. We've talked. We've mentioned this many times actually that Montez Ford is this guy who this time last year looked like a future main eventer and just just kind of in a way he's never really recovered from the um, they had the match didn't they at Money in the Bank Street Profits and yeah and we thought that was going to be the end after the you know because that was almost kind of it wasn't official but it was it kind of felt like their last chance to win the titles. Well, didn't they have a match with Jeff Jarrett as ref at SummerSlam? Yes, but that that, that wasn't the, the Money in the Bank one was the one that felt big. It did but, do. That's right. And Jimmy and Jerry gained, and then Jarrett was there. And we're like, this is it. Street Profits are winning for sure, and they didn't. And it just feels like they they never really recovered as an act since then. And then Montez Ford suffered. Was it the foot or the ankle injury? And he was out for a while over that. Um, but I mean, he had like a. He did almost nothing at Royal Rumble, and here was his chance to shine, and really, he absolutely did. You know, climbed up the chains and then hung and dropped onto everyone else below. Um, just did like loads of really good stuff in the match. So, I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was a really a real standout performance from Montez Ford. I think everyone actually looked really good here. Um, but Bronson, even Johnny, Johnny Gargano had a pretty good showing because so far he's kind of not really been able to have to be to to have a showing like this so far. He's kind of just been doing comedy stuff, so it was quite a good night for him too. Yeah, I mean, at one point he did uh, Hurricane Runner off on Rollins off a pod onto people below, and that was a huge spot. Um, and he took tons of punishment, and then Priest uh, pinned Gargano after Razor's Edge, and it felt like a very you know, like a stature-enhancing performance from Gargano. He felt like a somebody in this match. And, um, you know, Rollins was was really good as well. He's, I mean, he's always first class. But, I mean, Reed with all the super kicks and the stomp. I mean, it's just everything before he was pinned. So, I mean, I thought they really looked after Reed here. Uh, Montez Ford as well. Um, he wasn't pinned. He instead was uh, supposedly injured. Uh, by a stomp onto the, he used, he, it was it, it was uh, theory, wasn't it? Who stomped his head onto the mat? Yes, yes, what, was, wasn't yeah. it? So theory stomped Montez's Ford's head onto the mats at ringside, and Ford sold it like he was concussed. And then the door was opened, and uh, staff came in and helped Montez Ford out, and that set up uh, Logan Paul's appearance. So he sneaked into the match and nailed. Rollins, who looked like he was going to beat Theory at this point. The match was totally going his way. There was just Rollins and Theory left. And as Ford was being helped out by uh, medical people or uh, security or whoever it was, officials, um, Logan Paul entered the uh, Elimination Chamber, nailed Rollins with the bookshot lariat, n- then blasted him with a stomp, and then Theory hit the A-Town down for the one, two, three. So Seth Rollins was protected as well on the finish. So I thought they did. I thought the booking of this was really good, and it set up lots of different. It set up at least some matches anyway for WrestleMania. Obviously Logan Paul and Seth Rollins. The wheels were already in motion for that from Royal Rumble, and then Rollins has been doing his interviews in which he's been nailing, blasting Logan Paul, saying you know he should stay in his lane. He doesn't want to be here. He doesn't want to be a wrestler. He just wants to be famous. I don't like him. Blah blah blah. So. 
that's fairly obvious now that it's going to be Logan Paul versus Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. Um, and Theory on Raw brought up John Cena's name again, and John Cena's going to be on Raw, I think it's a week on Monday, isn't it? Is it yeah, Monday the, 6th, Monday the 6th of March in Boston. That's it. So I would imagine that's when we'll have the Cena versus Theory confrontation to lead to their match. Um, but yeah, I thought this was... I don't. I don't think you could really have, have asked, realistically, I don't think you could really have asked for more from this elimination chamber than what it delivered. I mean, what more could you have asked for from this match? Yeah, no, I, th- I think it, it, it delivered everything it needed to deliver. Everyone had a good night. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was a thumbs-up match. And Montez Ford, had, you know, if, if you're Angelo Dawkins, I think you should be readying yourself for a solo career at some point soon. <laughs> I think it's coming. Um, yeah, but of course, was... this show was all about the main event, Finn. It was all about Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns. The crowd could not have been more into this match um, if they tried. They went over 30 minutes. Um, we had Jimmy Uso coming out uh, to get involved. There was loads of loads of stuff. Jimmy was out there. Jay was out there. Um, in the end, Roman Reigns retained. And afterwards, Kevin Owens comes out to make the save. Talk me through your thoughts of the match overall, the way they got to the result. How did they do? Um, Roman Reigns came out just with Paul Heyman. There was no solo. There was no uh, Jimmy or Jay. Um, Loud booze. Reigns out first. Zayn out second. To his bouncy baby face music. That's back. Well, he, he used that on SmackDown the previous evening. So, you know, fans, was all sorts of chants here. Reigns was clearly amused by lots of the chants and the reactions. Um, I mean, at one point, the referee held Sammy back as he tried to grab Reigns. And Reigns blew a kiss at Sammy. I mean, that was hilarious. You know, all sorts of foul mouth chants at Roman's expense. I mean, it cracked me up, Kenny, when he started going on about how Ivan Koloff he was from the area and he'd dethroned, he'd ended Bruno San Martino's first <laughs> WWF title reign. I thought Ivan Koloff was from Russia, not from Canada. We've been sold a false bill of goods. I can't believe, they've just ruined it for me, Kenny. They've just <laughs> ruined wrestling for me forever. So I thought that was really funny. So, I mean, I think that's the first time they've acknowledged on the air that, he, that Ivan Koloff was French-Canadian. And there's like all the Ole chants and um, the bell sounded and it was, they circled each other and like, they really milked the crowd. It wasn't like they were really trying to work the crowd because the crowd was so up anyway. And um, they were so into it that they didn't have to try. So it was four minutes and 14 seconds after the bell before they locked up. So, I mean, I don't think that's a record. I'm sure People have gone longer between the bell sounding and locking up. But I mean, you know, that's that's a long time for the audience to be just, you know, amusing themselves before the match began. Um, so yeah, they finally did the lock up and they did the real basic things where Reigns got the better of Zane, you know, knocked him down off like a whip into the ropes and fans booed. And then on the third time, uh, of course, it's always on the third time, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Zane grabbed Reigns and hurled him out of the ring. And that was great. And the audience like went mad. And, you know, Sammy's missus was in the crowd and she was so into it. It was almost as if they hadn't clued her up. They hadn't like <laughs> marked her up. 
Well, she, well, she, and they told her what's going to happen. It seemed like she was so into it that she was like mesmerized, wasn't she? Yeah. She was, she was, she was, she was like, she was great. She was, she came what? across like a genuine spouse who was, you know, him watching a re- like watching a real sporting contest. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, she, it's very hard. I feel like it must be very hard to come across as genuine in those moments, but she did it very well. I mean, it's like Adrian in the Rocky movies, wasn't it? Only she, yeah. she was usually at home, wasn't she? She wasn't at ringside. At <laughs> and, and at least, you know, because it's not Michelle McCool, you know, there's no danger of her <laughs> jumping the barricade to get in a match. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, there was yeah all sorts of stuff there, and you know Zayn really sold and sold and sold, and you know then he would make his comeback, and you know Reigns was tremendous, you know on the you know it was a when Zayn went for a halluva kick, and Reigns countered with a Superman punch. I mean that was an amazing spot there. Zayn then hit a Superman punch of his own and a halluva kick for a long two count and the crowd was going mad and Paul Heyman's just like, can't believe it, a ringside and Reigns is in the ring. It's like, you know, what's going on here? You know, is this guy going to beat me? Or does he have my number? And this just went on and on back and forth. It's just a hell of a story that they told. Uh, and, and then inevitably, Kenny, we had the ref bump, didn't we? We knew there was going to be at least one ref bump. It's going to happen. As 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 obvious it is that rain will fall from the sky, a ref bump will happen. <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah. I mean, it was a great spot there where Reigns missed a charge and crashed through the barrier into the timekeeper's area. And I really like the urgency with which Zayn grabbed Reigns and like flung him back into the ring and then hit the blue thunder bomb for another amazing two count. And the audience was just like... They kept seeking the, um, either the audience reactions, and it's like people were like, you know, hearts in the mouths, like hearts stoppingly close, near fall there. That then led to the ref bump, uh, and then Jimmy came out to flatten Sammy with kicks and a splash. Uh, then we had a second ref in to count Reigns' pin on Zayn. He amazingly kicked out. Now, I think there was an error here with the second ref, I think he was supposed to get knocked down before he did. It looked like something went wrong, didn't it? Do you notice that? Yeah, something looked a little bit off, but they recovered it pretty well. That's I think right. you know, it was very sort of a momentary thing. That's it. So the second referee was knocked down, then Paul Heyman passed Reigns the chair, um, and the camera work on this was amazing. And the camera then went back to a, like a wide, hard camera shot, and there was Jay in the middle of the ring between Roman... And Sammy and Reigns instructed Jay to strike Zayn with the chair. He refused. And then Reigns started yelling at him and like, you know, like high facing him and just like roughing him up. Uh, And we didn't. And I thought this was quite brilliant how the story was not allowed to develop too much because Zayn then went to spear Reigns, but Reigns moved and Zayn struck Jay. So he was knocked out of the ring and knocked out of the story for the rest of the night. So uh, so that happened. And then Reigns ended up clobbering Zayn with the chair many times and then hit one more spear. Uh, and also, I think, and, and that was it. Three count. So fans were really deflated that Reigns had scored the pin on Zayn. But I think it would have been ridiculous, Kenny, had he kicked out of all the chair shots and another spear. I think that had to be the finish. And we went through it all last week, why I thought 
Reigns had to retain here. And I absolutely believe it was the right decision because had Zayn won here, then people would have had to decide between Zayn and Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. And that would have been a big problem, particularly for Cody, because I think Zayn's more popular than him. So you could have had a situation where Cody was getting booed out of the building and it wouldn't have been a very good start to his reign if he were to dethrone Sami Zayn at WrestleMania. That would have been, there would have just been all sorts of problems. And besides Cody, if he is the one to defeat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, which I think he will be, that's a huge match, enormous win. And it's just a great start to his reign. It's the perfect start to his reign because he will be the man if he indeed is the man who has dethroned Roman Reigns. And to me, he has to be the guy to defeat Roman Reigns because let's just say that Reigns defeats Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. Who does he wrestle next? There isn't anyone left. There's nobody left. I mean, for me, I do... I think in a perfect world, Sammy defeating Roman here and being the end of the story would have been great. But they set up the Cody thing, so you couldn't do it. Um... But to me, the, the thing that they need to focus on, because obviously Cody and Reigns will be a success, that's fine. But Sammy's been doing really well on SmackDown. The ratings have been great. They need to keep his story hot on SmackDown. That needs to be one of the focuses. They did a good job on Raw. But I mean, I think there's a lot of mileage left in Sammy's in. I mean, his NXT title reign, I mean, if people remember, he lost a lot before he finally won the big one. But to me, you want to have Sami Zayn win the world title in the next 12 months, to me. If he keeps being as hot as he is, because eventually I think he should get it, if he's you know moving ratings and doing all that stuff. But for, for now, I don't think people... I think people like Cody as well, so it's not a situation where they're going to be annoyed that yeah. Cody has got the spot. But like you said, Sammy is more popular. So if that continues to be the case, then I think eventually you do want to put the belt on your most popular guy. Um. And that can even lead to interesting story stuff with Cody down the line. You know, maybe Cody in nine months is ready to be a heel. Yeah, maybe... absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's there's definitely, um, you know, a lot of value in that, without a doubt. I think uh, I think people have got PTSD a little bit because in the past, when there's been somebody, obviously Daniel Bryan's the prime example, um, that when he was super popular, he was kind of put back down the card a little bit. Now, some of that was injury. But I think people are just afraid that Sami Zayn is going to be not handled as well from now on, but I, I didn't get the, the sense that that's the case, especially from Triple H in the press conference afterwards. He was doing the big Tony Khan hug with uh, Sammy Zane, which I've got people talking. I'm like, who, care? <laughs> who cares? Who hugs who? Hug whoever you want. Um, yeah. But yeah, I thought this was a... I mean, I will say, when I was watching it, it, it was a kind of heartbreaking moment to see him lose, which is fine as long as down the line he's not going to have... You know, there's... There's there's going to be a, a happy ending for him at some point, um, which I think there will be. So, um, I mean, it was yeah. a tremendous match. It would have been the easiest thing in the world on the night to give him the belt, and it would have been a reaction for the ages. It would have been Davy Boy Smith at SummerSlam '92, wouldn't it? It would have been equal to that. It would have been enormous. Well, how would that then have played out at WrestleMania, and what would Roman Reigns have done at WrestleMania? if he had lost the belts to Sami Zayn at Elimination Chamber. So you've got to look at the big picture. You know, things don't exist in isolation. You know, they just don't. As I say, except for in the recollections of a wrestler when he's 
he or she is writing their autobiography. Their things exist in isolation because it's all about them. But, you know, you've got to look at the big picture here. And and in WrestleMania is coming up in just shy of six, uh, what is it, five weeks, just over five weeks? Just five over five weeks. weeks, yeah, five weeks last weekend. So, I mean, it's just like, you know, that's the big show. And, you know, it's cold. That's going to be Cody's night. And I think he should be the one to dethrone Roman Reigns rather than Sammy because had Sammy won the belts, it would have just created all sorts of problems. And it would have felt also like, you know, the story, the Roman Reigns story had ended like six weeks before the biggest weekend of the year, wouldn't it? Because that's the big story here, isn't it? The overall is who defeats Roman Reigns. That's the overall big WrestleMania caliber story. And had it been Sami Zayn, it's like, oh, right, well, what have we got for WrestleMania as a main event then? I think the other thing that's worth pointing out is that, because um, I know some people were hoping that Kevin Owens would come out and do the big hug with Sami after the show, but I mean, if you watch Raw, and we'll talk about that on Thursday, they're doing the slow build. Sure. You know, they're, not, they're not having, they're, you know, because Kevin Owens shouldn't just forgive Sami Zayn. Oh, no, that would be premature, wouldn't it? I mean, that's like, you know, give We've him a We've complained chance. about that in the past, haven't we? About yeah. storylines that have just kind of you go, oh, he's forgiven him already? Like, it doesn't play out, and this time it's actually, we're getting to see it play out. Absolutely. I mean, this makes sense, and when it does happen, which I'm sure it will, then it will be bigger than if they just, you know, rushed it out there on Monday or, you know, at Elimination Chamber. I thought it would happen at Elimination Chamber, and it didn't, and I'm glad it didn't, because that would have been too soon. And I'm glad that Owens said what he said on Raw on Monday, even though it wasn't it didn't provoke, you know, that huge reaction that people were anticipating. You know, that needs to be saved for down the line. And I think Zayn needs to make it up to him. And there needs to be this period of, you know, healing Kenny before the big reconciliation. Yeah, because if they've done the hug on Saturday at Elimination Chamber, then there's six weeks of story still to tell. Exactly. And we've seen that many times in the past. I always remember... You know, WrestleMania 17, which many people think is the greatest WrestleMania of all time. I remember thinking that the the hype for it was, it kind of peaked early and it just wasn't really that good. And I remember that they had like Deborah involved in the story with Rock and Austin. Deborah, Deborah was Rock's manager. Oh, and like they, to their credit, they, they realized that this was not clicking and this did not, this was not working at all. And they removed her. But, I mean, there was a lot of problems in the run-up to that WrestleMania. We've seen that many other WrestleManias where it basically peaks about two weeks before the big show. Um, and hopefully that won't happen this year and it will peak out the show stories. But we shall see, Kenny, won't we? That's what I always say. We shall see. We shall see. But, no, I mean, the thing is, like, it's, you know, we've I've, I've criticised AEW for this recently. I've criticised WWE for years for this. But, I mean, there's been a lot of times where, you just, you know, like a match is going to happen and you find out, you, you get an angle to set it up six weeks before and then you're kind of sitting twiddling your thumbs for six weeks yeah, for the match. Whereas this is a story where we, we I mean, look, we are fairly confident the match is the Usos against Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, but every yeah. week we're going to get a story that leads us to that point so that it's not just... Because now it's like, well, I want to tune into SmackDown to see the fallout with the bloodline. I want to tune into next Monday's Raw to see if Sami Zayn's there. And it builds and builds and builds. So more of this kind of stuff is what we want, I think, as wrestling fans. I mean, look, some people just like good wrestling. They don't really care. But, I mean, most people I know 
want good story. That's what hooks them. So Exactly. The stories and the characters, that's what really matters. And that's what you really remember. You don't really remember the matches. Indeed. Um, you'll remember the finishes. You remember what was at stake. But that's usually the ones you really remember are ones that are the culmination of amazing story. You know, rather than just a good match with, you know, lots of athletic moves in it. So, um, but yeah, that, that, the main event of Elimination Chamber was um, was tremendous. It was a masterpiece, and I thought it was a hell of a show. Um, there was didn't need any more matches, and it could have gone longer, but I'm glad it didn't. I think they did more than enough to keep us entertained. Um, I think had they done any more, it would have felt a bit bloated. So, yeah, I thought it was a tremendous night for WWE. Well, listen, we will be back on Thursday to talk about the fallout from Raw, to talk about news um, and other stuff that's going on. Because, uh, you know, we've got, we've got uh, an AEW pay-per-view next weekend. It never stops in wrestling. It just constantly keeps going. But um, we'll be here to talk about everything on Thursday. Um, Patreon is the best way you can directly support us. Patreon.com forward slash Inside the Ropes. Later this week, we'll be recording the No Way Out 2003 review which is from the same Bell Centre that we just uh, reviewed Elimination Chamber. So, <laughs> I don't know if you'll be singing the praises as high for No Way Out 2003 fan as you are for this one. No, I don't think I will be. Uh, I don't think, I think I've only ever watched it once in its entirety. Uh, I've seen, I've been back and revisited parts of it. I don't think I've seen the whole show in its entirety. I think since it first aired 20 years ago, or nearly 20 years ago, whenever it was. So it was, um, yeah, um, that's the thing when you've just seen a show as good as Elimination Chamber was, and then you revisit this, this show from the past and you're like, you think, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it nonetheless. We always have, uh, I think we always do a really good job on these, um, marking my home, on homework here, Kenny. But well, I, think no, I think it's, I think it's always interesting to revisit these shows and give her like a 2023 opinion on a show from 20 years earlier. That's to me is the most interesting part of it. And just observing how things have changed. Yeah. We all come out, we all come at it from a different perspective. Sandra's watching it for the first time. I'm remembering a childhood viewing and Finn's remembering work that he used to do. Those, those hard hours in the office. Yeah, well, um, 33 when that went out. I was already old and jaded, old before <laughs> my time. <laughs> and, you know, and Cena hadn't, I mean, I know he was on the scene, but, you know, he wasn't He wasn't doing what Cena would do. And you <laughs> couldn't have even imagined what he was going to do to your life for years. <laughs> and then. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll be uh, do head over to Patreon and join us. Daily content goes out there. Uh, and then also the magazine, InsideTheRoadsMagazine.com, I actually just got my new copy through today, uh, through the post, which is issue 20, is it 29? I think it's 29. No, 30, issue 30. Issue 30, that's right, yes. Cody Rhodes on the cover, Rhodes to WrestleMania, Finn's big Royal Rumble review, we've got a tribute to Jay Briscoe, my chat with Ken Shamrock, Brian Solomon's look at the, the Vince McMahon situation, so much in there. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's it comes out on Thursday. But if you're a subscriber, you can get it a couple of days early. Definitely. How was Ken Shamrock? And he was you. good. He was he was very good. Unfortunately, initially, initially it was going to be a four page interview, and then unfortunately, obviously Jay Briscoe passed away, so it was down to two pages, and that was a challenge. But he had some good stuff to say. Ken Shamrock is someone who I think the thing in it that people will probably come away from it with, which I think is valid, is that. 
he was probably more influential in pro wrestling than I think people give him credit for. Agreed. Generally. And uh, and he kind of gives you the reasons as to why he feels like he contributed, you know, a lot to wrestling and points out some examples of why what we see today is actually from stuff that he had done when he came in. So I think it's, and then even if you kind of look at Shamrock as, you know, this mid-card WWF player from the late 90s, he's, he's got some interesting things to say. So, um, yeah, him 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 backstage at Montreal, um, you know, there's some interesting stuff there. So, yeah, I think people will enjoy it. And uh, we've crammed as many words into two pages as we can. So, but uh, it was also important to give Jay Briscoe his due, obviously, as well. With what awesome. happened, so, um, awesome. But, yeah, so... Uh, do go check out the mag inside the ropesmagazine.com. Um, and yeah, thank you for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.